This is Almost 107 with Abe Lynn, and today we're discussing a topic that's very close to me personally. I, along with millions of others across the globe, have autism. I've been autistic my entire life, and I've had to deal with some of the social stigmas and difficulties that comes with it. Over time, I've learned to embrace my autism. I've had a lot of experiences relating back to it, with many others also on the spectrum being able to relate to some, including my two guests today who are also both on the spectrum, as we talk about everything from pet peeves, what people tend to get wrong about neurodivergent people, and our hopes for the future. Me and my friends originally met at HB Beale Secondary here in London, Ontario. I'm joined here today by my friends Anna and Jonathan. You guys mind introducing yourselves? Okay, um, my name is Anna Lilliman. I am an artist. I'm studying art and English at the University of Guelph. Um, I'm 5'3 and some amount of pounds and I will take you in the ring. And also, I'm a little autistic, yeah. Is that good? Uh, that's awesome. And then we have uh, John over here and uh, kind of context uh, before we get into this episode here. Uh, I've known John and Anna uh, pretty much like all throughout high school. John a little bit later on and Anna actually later on too because you and me Anna we started really talking in that kind of last year of high school because COVID fiddled all that but yeah we're chatting here today and now with John is a friend of a friend originally but we've been on a group chat and this kind of pertains to the today's subject. Our group chat name is called the Neurodivergent Chat Club uh, and I'll let Jonathan take it from there. Thanks. My name is Jonathan Harvey. Um, currently, I am at Fanshawe College, and I am studying the pre-media program. What does pre-media mean? Uh, pre-media is like a mix of everything in the like media industry, so like photography or video editing or like storytelling more specifically. That's the main course. Oh, that's cool. And uh, interactive media design too. Currently, we're doing like a class where we have to like make like 3D models, and unfortunately, I am struggling badly. Dude, I'm doing 3D modeling in my class too right now. That's so fun. My my goal is to teach, whether that be high school, college, or university. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, I just, I think part of being autistic is just always wanting to talk about the thing that you want to talk about all the time. That, that, that one thing that keeps you awake at night, that one thing that you whisper into your lover's ear before bed and to your mom in the morning when she makes you eggs and to your dog before he dies. I don't, not, you know what I mean? I yeah. get what you mean. And we'll yeah, talk and more about that later on. But with that, uh, me and Anna and John all have one thing in common. Obviously we all want to be all together, but we're all neurodivergent. Do we want to go more into detail, each of us, with how we are neurodivergent? I'll kick it off there. Uh, I suffer from a couple of things there. I have high-functioning autism. Uh, I was diagnosed really early on in life, uh, basically when I started right around elementary school. I also suffer from anxiety, and I was obsessive cleaner and germaphobe, and that all honestly relates to kind of the spectrum. John, would you want to go a little bit more into detail with yours? Yes, so I was diagnosed with level 1 autism in, I believe, December of 2017. And they originally thought that I had sensory integration disorder because I pretty much like struggled with like schoolwork at the time. So as such, I was in an IEP. Yeah, IEP gang, man. Uh, did the one year, uh, did you end up in like life skills class at Beale instead of like French? Uh, GLE, yes. 
Hey, we have that in common then. For somatic context, an IEP is an individual education plan given to students like me and John based on various factors. IEPs are common among neurodivergent students and those on the spectrum. Like me and John, IEPs are designed to help students with some difficulties in the classroom, with each one being based on the student's specific needs. With both me and John having GLEs, we were both eventually moved into a GLE class which taught us life skills instead of having to take French. With this decision being made based partially on our IEPs, John also went on to further talk about his diagnosis. And oddly enough, I used to be good at French back in like, I don't know, like the sixth or seventh grade, but then like I lost all that power. So it's like, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> And Anna, let's kind of talk with yours and kind of with, how should we say this, your, uh... Neurodiverge. Neurodiverge. You being not neurodivergent. So, uh, you want to talk kind of about your, kind of your history with it? Yeah, so essentially, uh, when I was a kid, I, I guess I was just a really obsessive child. And I just kind of annoyed everyone and more than... Because I know that most women on the spectrum don't struggle as much socially. I definitely did. Yeah, and I, it, it was just kind of weird vibes and I think a teacher or something... I don't know the full history. My mom's just kind of told me about it in passing, really. Um, was like, whoa, this child is weird. Um, yeah, and so I saw a doctor and he was like, yeah, this is, this is probably um, autism. They called it Asperger's at the time, but I know that's not the word anymore. Um, but my mom's not, doesn't have a great history with the medical system. And so she didn't really want to follow up with it and she never really did. Um, and so, yeah, there are definitely a lot of symptoms there. I have reason to believe. And also I'm in the process of diagnosis for autism. I think, I think you can just tell if you, you can just smell it, but yeah. Yeah. Is that you know, good? That's, you know, it's funny with that kind of, you know, I feel like it's one of these things where you never want to assume someone is neurodivergent or autistic or has ADHD, but usually you can tell pretty like, not it's, like, I think it's okay to smell it. It's okay so, to smell it. Like Dan Aykroyd, like I, I knew like he was autistic even before I found out officially, like watching any of his movies, like the Coneheads could only be a creation of someone who's autistic, like, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think it's sometimes harder to smell though, based off of like race and gender and culture, obviously. I mean, personally, I'm like a woman and I'm also Latina. And so like, I'm sure you can relate to this in some ways, Ibrahim, it's kind of different when you're like a part of a population of people that likes to brush those things under the rug or is uncomfortable with that's it there and there are other aspects i guess with most women it's a bit more difficult i think that one's less of a thing for me though like usually you're better in social situations and although i think i like to think i'm like pretty strongly empathetic i'm pretty terrible at reading people and always have been Going more into detail with what Anna said, autism is more regularly diagnosed in men compared to women, with a research article from Dean Morrison of the University of Minnesota noting that autism tends to go more unnoticed among girls opposite to boys, leading to fewer diagnoses among girls. That is another kind of thing too, especially with the kind of gender disparity. Uh, and kind of with that too, kind of I want to talk about kind of a little bit more in detail with kind of John. Like what was like kind of, how old were you when you like found out you were autistic? So it was in December, 2017. So that's pretty early. I'm kind of- uh, So I was, so my birthday is in November 28th. So basically the start of like my teenage years. And keep in mind, this was in the eighth grade. That's when like I found out. That's kind of interesting yeah. too, because we 
almost kind of have a variety here. So like I was diagnosed, like I didn't find out I was autistic until pretty late. I think I found out like eighth grade. Uh, yeah. Oh, your parents did the thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I found, but I was diagnosed in like the third grade originally, but I, yeah, I did not find out for myself till very late on. But then we kind of have John and you were, oh, oh God, don't sick five years ago. No, but uh, you were diagnosed pretty recently, kind of like later on in your life. Uh, and then we have Anna, who's kind of going through a diagnosis right now. And I think it's kind of interesting kind of variety here because we can see a little bit from, hey, uh, a little bit uh, on the spectrum of autism spectrum. Uh, Sick. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, and uh, so kind of uh, with kicking off that with that uh, kind of I'd love to hear Anna too because that's a really interesting aspect to me what's the diagnosis process been kind of for you when did it start originally I don't have a family doctor because the medical system is kind of weird um yeah uh my mom never really kept one um again for like medical disparity things so I don't I didn't like inherit a family doctor um I've brought it up with institutions when I've done counseling for this or that reason and usually they're like I agree but there's nothing I can do about it so right now honestly I'm just in the process of trying to find a doctor um so that I can like do the testy thing and then I'm pretty sure however that goes down in Canada I've looked into the way that it goes and it sounds simple enough but although again as you know things seem simple on paper and then are changed I don't know this is this is all like kind of a roundabout way of saying I'm on the process of the process um but I have like medical backup and a lot of reasoning to believe. I almost always compare the process of getting diagnosed with autism to be that of the state of Puerto Rico, where Puerto <laughs> Rico is very nearly a state. A lot of people think it's a state. A lot of people are like, wait, what? It's not a state. But in reality, technically doesn't check the official like check, uh, check mark for being a state. That's how I've always viewed mm -hmm. autism, where it's uh, with the process of diag uh, being diagnosed. And as Kanda Anna has expressed during this, uh, the process uh, for getting diagnosed with autism or uh, as an adult is 10 times harder. With Anna getting her diagnosis soon, Anna looked back at her childhood growing up on the spectrum, how it influenced her. I've always just kind of been, I guess, quote unquote, like strange. When I was very small, I just, I've always been obsessed with things pertaining to art and creation. Essentially, like if I had to boil it down, like the arts are kind of my special interest in it in that way for as long as I can remember. And I've never been able to relate anything or like have conversations surrounding or like do anything really that doesn't pertain to that in some way um like my grades have always been weird when I was a kid English I got like a hundreds A's whatever and then everything else it was like this is a dumb dumb that that's another reason I can definitely yeah. relate to the fact too uh growing up a lot of my core uh kind of more creative or of course were you uh classes where you were able to more express your creativity art writing I found I excelled at uh math uh oh boy do not get me started on math math was rough for me especially and uh, yes trying to memorize equations and so and so kind of what was uh what was your kind of experience like especially in elementary school john uh, kind of with being autistic well shortly after i was diagnosed and when high school came along the ninth grade because keep in mind i did not keep in contact with everyone in my elementary school they did not like me after you know so basically what ended up happening for me was anybody that has knew me in grade nine 
knew that I was a very like crazy person in a way. And what I mean by that, I used to like not intentionally disrupt. I would like accidentally talk in class and like say like jokes or something like that. Try like to try and be like, I was just different. And it was kind of the only way to find out who would like me and who would not like me looking back on it because no one knew me at the time. And I felt like if I was just some person that would just like make sound or like, well, not, well, not sounds, but like, you know, you know what I mean, right? No, I totally get you there. Fortunately, that also resulted in me getting bullied for the third time in the ninth grade. After John talked about his experiences in school on the spectrum, Anna talked about how she had shared some similar experiences. What was your kind of experience going to school? How was bullying? Like, obviously trying to relate to other kids. I think that generally you just, when you're autistic and you struggle making friends and stuff, I moved a lot growing up. Common thread a lot. A lot of people with that are neurodivergent is kind of social settings and kind of our social batteries. How do you guys do in like social settings? Well, with me, I'm, I find that I've always, I'm in a place right now where I'm starting to recognize how much I've been overcompensating for lack of a understanding and lack of feeling of connection. Um, I'm naturally uh, very interested in public speaking and sharing and expressing as is like my interests and like sort of like my vein in life. But um, like traditionally, I think I've always been truthfully kind of a level of shy. Like it's difficult for me to see someone and and not and, and find that like perfect balance of connection that's like suave and cool enough to make friends. Because you know, after kindergarten and you couldn't just go up to someone and say do you want to be best friends forever and then you hold hands and play for the rest of recess and suddenly you have a best friend forever um it's been difficult later on during our conversation later on during our conversation we were related back to how autism has affected our creative careers and how in some cases it's actually helped us be more free in expressing ourselves I was kind of infamous in like the neighborhoods I grew up in for not playing with the dolls, but the kids in the neighborhood would ask me to make the clothes. It's like, we're, we have a wedding at nine o'clock and we need to dress it. I was like, got it, got it, got it. I'm, I'm going to go in the house. I'm going to plan all of this out. As a kid, my true talent was a creative mind because as a kid, I would always used to make like stories. I would sometimes like make short stories beyond my level as a kid, because at that time I was into a lot of like Dave Pilk and Robert Munch. I would make stories revolving around like the writing of them. And that's how it kind of started for me when it came to like writing stories stories or just making or storytelling in general. What are your guys' hopes for the future on how people treat neurodivergent people? My hope is that society would continue to accept autistic people for who they are so that they don't have to like hide it. Because most people really have to hide it because society likes to pick and choose like people. And that's the thing that really breaks my heart. That's the thing that sometimes makes me very sad and like angry in a sort of way of like, why? Because it's like, like, you know, I definitely, yeah, I just, I really hope that that's just the thing that I really hope is that a lot of people would accept autistic people for who they are. And they don't have to hide it or they have to like, they're kept under like a bubble. Like if you say it, that then people will judge you or people will treat you differently, or people will kind of give you like the child talk or, you know, yes. you know, that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I had uh, one friend in uh, high school and they'd be like, or it was almost, they had like a line almost. They'd always go, oh, Abe. And yeah. I always like cringed at it. And it's like, uh, and it's like, it just makes me feel like it was like, almost like I'm like, it feels like it like reduces me almost to, like a level of like a sitcom character. Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's, I definitely. And it's like, don't, and it's like, don't get me wrong. Cause it's like, sometimes I do stuff that some people I guess consider as childish. Cause it's like, you know, I sometimes like rewatch stuff from my childhood and like, and another thing is that I'm really into logos, like movie logos or TV show logos. As a kid, I was always so into like the history of logos, like let's say Universal or the Sony companies like Columbia, TriStar, Screen Gems, Sony Pictures, that, that, that type of thing. But it's like some, but I feel like I am a child at heart. But that doesn't mean, like, people should treat me in that child talk. You know what I mean? I definitely know what you mean. Anna, what are your thoughts? Um, I think it kind of just correlate back to what I was saying earlier. I wish that it was a world where we didn't have to change and where other people suited those things. Because there are times even where I tell people I'm autistic and I explain to them explicitly the differences and I let them know like the conversations and boundaries that we could or should be having around this or that topic. Um, and I think it's the same with neurodivergency and any kind of disability. If your friend with depression um, stops talking to you for like a few months and then comes back and is like hey i just had a depressive episode don't go bro i know you have depression but you could be a lot nicer and actually talk to your friend you know what i mean etc cetera, etc cetera. like there are so many things where it's like you're accepting of the person and their label but you're not actually accepting of any of the symptoms or understanding or willing to communicate yeah past that i just think that like a world where we not only recognize that autistic people exist but we try and work around and suit those differences is is the one that i want to live and again broadly anyone who has any sort of illness or ailment or difference to have those things diagnosed and recognized and labeled so that we can like treat them accordingly you know what i mean um the medical system is not good <laughs> even even in canada it's not perfect yeah that that's it and i think we've kind of reached the end of this episode uh as i feel like is on brand for being on the spectrum as this was originally supposed to be maybe around 20 or 30 minutes it's now been an hour and 30 minutes uh, with this uh session i want to thank you guys uh, for joining me today and talking with me thanks uh, for having us no problem thanks Eve. Regarding societal and online discourse regarding neurodivergent chain, regarding neurodivergent people, we finally started to see some changes that most of us on the spectrum hope to see continue, especially as whereas more people come to an understanding of who we are as the world works to be a more inclusive and understanding place. Thanks for listening to another episode of Almost 107. I'm Abe Lynn.